But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what's going to happen? Whatever your needs are. The Father knows your needs. The verse just before this tells you that the Father knows whatever your needs are, no matter what they are. Okay, now Jesus made a list there of people and their concerns, you know. But if whatever you need is not in that list, the Father still knows that. Okay, and Jesus is trying to say, look, if you seek my kingdom and, and, and the Father's and mine, the Holy Spirit's righteousness, that then that gives me the right in this controversy between Lucifer and I to take care of you. Okay, and he can and he will. Okay, so just keep that in mind. So anyways, we're going to talk about water. Now, that's a lot of water right there, isn't it? Okay, now, <clears throat> in the end times, how many, how many support are we going to receive from, or how much support are we going to receive from earthly sources? Okay, so this is going to be a lot like a survival situation. Now, I talk about survival a lot. You know, I do a lot of survival classes. And, uh, and <clears throat> when you're in a survival situation, you have to, treat water differently than when you're not. Okay, now this body of water right here is actually a river, and it's by my house, and I've gone swimming in here a lot, and there are probably times when I drink some of the water when I was swimming and stuff. Okay, <clears throat> if, uh, if there were bad guys in that water, and I had done that, and I'd gotten sick, well, then I'd just go to the doctor and the doctor would diagnose it, and he'd give me some, some medicine, and I would take the medicine and kill the bad guys off. I'd be okay. A lot of times they do flagell, you know. And, uh, but now, <clears throat> in a survival situation, or in the end times, you know, we may have a doctor in our group. We had one here, didn't we? Yeah. Okay, we may have a doctor in our group, and he may be able to even diagnose what's going on. But, you know, without his laboratory and without the pharmacy, he's going to have a little more trouble, wouldn't he? Okay. So do you believe that if we have you know, fully on our own that God will direct us to others? Yes, he will. That's, you can read that in either early writings or, or Great Controversy. She talks about the bands that are moving into the dense forests. And she even talks about how some bands will meet up with other bands. Okay, so yes, I believe that absolutely because she told us that. Well, anyways, in, uh, in the end times, we're going to have to treat water differently than we would now. Okay, now we still have our doctors and we still have our pharmacies and, and things like that. And uh, now we're going to talk on Thursday about some plants that can be used and some techniques that we can use that would help, okay? But we don't want to get in that situation in the first place, right? So this water right here, I gotta go this way because you guys aren't looking at that. You're looking at that. This water right here, we cannot trust that right off the bat, okay? A lot of the bad boys that get in the water come from animals. If the animals can get to the water before you do, then you have to consider it already contaminated and treat it that way, okay? Now, <clears throat> we want to look at, there are four groups of bad boys. Each group contains lots and lots of bad boys in them, okay? We have the parasites, and we have protozoa, we have the bacteria and the viruses. Those four areas house a whole bunch of different little critters that, uh, that can cause us trouble, make us sick. I want to talk about the top two together. Okay, we want to talk about parasites and protozoa. We want to talk about those kind of together because there's some crossover between those two. A parasite is a, is a little critter that most of the time gives us troubles. Uh, parasites are something that are going to go in and attach themselves. OK? 
and they'll attach themselves, they'll start reproducing, and uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, how many of you have ever heard of somebody going to Mexico and they drank some of the water and all of a sudden they started diarrhea and vomiting? And, and that's because these little guys get in there and they start attaching, they start growing colonies, and these colonies are chewing on the colon and <clears throat> it ends up causing a real sore spot and the body decides, I got to get rid of that. And so that's what it does to get rid of it is it the diarrhea and the vomiting and all that, okay? And uh, so, <clears throat> you know, I want to talk about parasites because that's what they do. Now, protozoa, there are some of the protozoa that are parasites. Now, protozoa means that it's a single-cell little organism, okay? And those that fall into that group, but there are some single-cell ones that will attach themselves and become a parasite, and a parasitic is what they call that, you know. But then there are other parasites and protozoa that are free-roaming, right? Some of them can end up in your brain, some of them can end up in your heart, and you know, it just causes all kinds of troubles. And uh, so <clears throat> these two guys here, there's some crossover between the two, so I, I talk about those together. And uh, so you kind of got an idea. And uh, bacteria. Now, bacteria is uh, something that a lot of us have heard of that word before. And uh, those are little organisms as well, sometimes more than one cell. And uh, some of them are good and some of them are bad. You know, we have bacteria all over in this earth. And uh, I'm an I'm a organic grower. And so <clears throat> we rely on God's nutrient cycles and he uses the bacteria to release all these nutrients for the plants. And so there are good bacterias, but then there are some bad bacterias. And when it gets into the water and they make us sick, we're going to put those into the bad bacteria for us anyways. Okay, so those are not good. All right, and then we have viruses. And uh, I get to tell my horror story. Okay, get to tell my horror story. Well, let's see, it was about 30-some years ago now. I'm, I'm losing track, but my brothers and I, we went up to Canada, and we were way back, you know, away from civilization. It took us 45 minutes to make our way out to the trading post, and the trading post didn't have electricity. Okay, that's Lake Pichu up there. We were way back, and we were on a fishing trip, and my brothers, they, <clears throat> they were ones that, uh, they liked to drink soda pop, you know, and I wasn't much one for that. And so <clears throat> I had a water filter, ceramic water filter. Anybody here have a ceramic water filter? Yeah? Okay, we're gonna talk about filtering and making things safe. I had a water filter and I was pulling water out of the lake and I was making orange juice and drinking just water. And, and, uh, and I ended up coming back and this was in August, well, October, I started getting sick. And uh, <clears throat> I got really sick. As a matter of fact, by January, I was uh, so sick that I spent three weeks in the chair and couldn't get up. And uh, <clears throat> I lost 55 pounds in, in three weeks, okay? And uh, they never did ever figure out exactly what it was, but the, what they figured is that I got a virus up there from the water. And uh, unfortunately, that virus has never gone away. Okay, it must be living in my cells. And, uh, and every, every winter it comes back and uh, I end up uh, with a hepatitis to begin with and then I got these spots in my colon and, and they flare up even worse. And so it's a lot like a flu and, and then the hepatitis together. And, and then there's some other things that go on, you know, with my adrenals and stuff. And so anyways, <clears throat> we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about, you know, how to actually make water pure if it's not pure. Lakes and streams can both have animals that use them, streams, they tend to 
to clean themselves because they'll carry it on downstream. Okay, now <clears throat> you can't count on that to help you out because it may be cleaning something from upstream and bringing it downstream to you. Okay, lakes are, are one of the worst things because they don't really clean themselves. Mother Nature can clean them, but uh, they usually build up even stronger concentrations than what streams and rivers do. So keep that in mind. We're we're going to go over these. Let's look at some uh, let's look at some sources that we can trust right off the bat. Okay, some water sources that we can trust. Rain is one. <clears throat> what happens with rain is uh, if you got a body of water, and let's say it does have bad boys in it, all right? And what happens is the sun beats down on that, and a lot of our rain ends up coming from the Gulf of Mexico. We've got all that salt water and all that stuff down there. And uh, what happens when the sun shines on that and it evaporates that, that water droplets that go into the air, they leave all the bad stuff behind. Okay, They don't carry that with them. And they go up there, <clears throat> and then they come across in clouds, and then the clouds get certain conditions, and that water forms together and comes down as rain. Okay, now, <clears throat> that, that rainwater is good water. You can trust that. So <clears throat> that's a good source there. Now, you may have a water bottle with you. You know, when I talk about wilderness survival, 97% of the wilderness survival situations are either day hikers or hunters that get lost. They may have a water bottle with them. So we show a little way that, you know, you can set up a, a thing to fill your water bottle for you if it's raining. Okay, you know, dig a little pit in there, get it in there, get a piece of cloth and wrap it around. Now, you do want to pay attention to what the rain is coming off of. That may be contaminated. In that case, you want to pay attention to that. Okay, so <clears throat> spring water is something that you can trust right out the bat. Okay, we're going to see how Mother Nature has a very good filter, actually the best filter. And uh, that's sand. And if it goes through Mother Earth, then it, she will clean all that. And so when it comes up as a spring, then you can go ahead and trust that right off the bat when you're at the spring. Okay, if you're downstream a little ways, well, your animals can possibly get to it. And then you can't trust it, right? And uh, I don't know, how many of you here have romped around at Camp Othabo? Yeah, a few of you have, haven't you? Okay, I took this picture up on the boardwalk, just off of the boardwalk. There's the first few little creeks that come down through there. Follow those up, you'll run into this spring. Okay, that's coming right out from underneath that tree. And uh, I did drink water from that, okay? So, and... I didn't get sick, so yeah, there's a better look at it right there. Okay, seepage. Right? <clears throat> this uh, came from a, a manual, again, that uh, was 1985. And back in 1985, they, if you had a body of water and, and they were testing, you know, and if you could get three foot away from that and make it go through three foot of sand, that they felt it was safe. Since then, they've done a little more testing, and they found that actually twice that is the, uh, the optimal one. If you can get six foot away from the water source, or more, okay, if, this, if it has to go through six foot of sand in order to get to your hole, then Mother Nature will filter all those bad boys out. Okay, all four of them, right? <clears throat> well, here's what you're going to do. There's my son. I got to point back up there. Now, he's at least six foot. He's more like 10, isn't he? Okay, and you're going to dig a hole. You're going to dig a hole until you're deep enough so that the water coming through that sand comes into your hole. And you see down in the bottom, see how that's starting to fill? Now, when you first dig the hole, you're going to find out that the water comes in all cloudy. Now, that cloudiness is just dust, and it's not going to hurt you if you wanted. You could drink it. You know, if you're really thirsty, that's probably what you're going to do. But otherwise, you can dip that out of there and pour it on the ground, and that water will come back through and come into your hole. 
And usually the second or even the third fill will come in nice and clean and clear. Okay, and uh, see that's how cloudy it is on the first one. But if you keep at it, it'll come in nice and clear. And uh, so keep that in mind. And that, you can trust that right away. These are called gypsy wells. And uh, I, I guess because the gypsies used to dig them and get water out of them. But uh, they're called gypsy wells. And they're, they're one of my favorites. I talk about these a lot. And you will not find them taught very much in the schools across the nation. And I don't know why, because it's one of the best things you can do. You know, Mother Nature will clean all four of those groups out and make it clean for you. Okay, so this is a gypsy well. Now, <clears throat> if you dig one of these, you're going to want to protect it. Okay, you're going to want to put some over the top because once you're done using it, if you walk away, the animals are going to find it. Now, oh, well, thank you, and they're going to use it too, and then they're going to contaminate it for you. And then you got to go dig another one. All right, so... So you're going to put some boughs or something over it, protect it so that they can't get into it. And, and uh, then when you come back, you'll be good to go. <clears throat> there are times when you'll have areas that are just mud. Okay, And, uh, and here, uh, Mother Nature can go ahead and clean that out for you. But you know, if you dig a hole, it just fills back in. Have you ever seen those kind of situations? Okay, well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make what we call a sip well. And you're going to go out in the field and you're going to grab some grass and you're going to be a soccer ball or even a basketball size. And then you're going to come back to this area that's all mud. And uh, before you, you start digging, you're going to find yourself a straw. Now, <clears throat> where am I going to get a straw if I don't have one? Mother Nature makes a whole bunch of straws. Okay, and so here's where I'm going to invite you to go ahead and study your plants because there are a lot of plants that are hollow stalks. Some of them you can use right directly as a straw. Some of them you cannot. Okay, pokeweed. Pokeweed has a hollow. They have some segments and you can punch them out real easy. Pokeweed is poisonous. You would not want to use that as a straw. Okay. Um, Japanese knotweed. That's one you could use for a straw. Actually, there's a whole bunch of them. If you, if you get the DVD on water, I, I have more than a dozen different plants that you could use right off the bat to make a straw. Okay, so you're going to get a straw. You're going to get a, a, a big batch of, of grass. You're going to dig your hole. You're going to shove that grass in there. And then you're going to put your straw right down into the middle of the grass. And then you can either help it or just let it. It'll fill back in on its own. What's going to happen is that grass is going to hold the mud out, but the water is still going to find its way through, and it'll fill the center. Now, the idea is you're going to want to make several of these because you're going to come to it, you're going to get about a cup of water out of it, and then it's going to be drained, and you'll have to let it refill. So make several of them. You know, you'll come in and get a cup out of each one, and then you'll let them refill, and you come back and do it again. Okay, so... Um, sip wells are very handy. Now, sometimes, if you have a water bottle, or we're going to show you some ways that you can make containers, if you have one, <clears throat> you can stick two straws down in there. And one of the straws, you can get a leaf, and you can poke it through the straw so that the straw is sitting up top. And then you blow in the other straw, and it'll make some pressure down there. Now, you can't blow hard enough to make this squirt, okay? But it will ooze. And when it oozes, it'll ooze out onto the leaf, and it'll go over to the edge of the leaf, and it'll drop off, and that's right where you want your water container to be. Okay, and you can actually fill your water container by using a, a sip well this way, okay? So, water from vines. Now, <clears throat> we have to... We have to to do a test first to see. There are some that are good and there are some that are bad. So there's a couple things we have to do. First off, when you cut it, you want to see if the water is clear. Okay, if it's cloudy, you don't want it. A lot of times it'll be yellow or red. That's, that just failed the test, all right? 
the first one. If it's cloudy, if it's not clear, then you can't use it. So if it's clear, then what we do is we drip some on our hand and we let it sit there for a little bit. If it does not burn our hand, then we take a little bit and we put it on our lip or our tongue and wait and see if it burns that. If it's clear and it doesn't burn our hand and it doesn't burn our lip or tongue, then you can use that water. Now, <clears throat> here in Michigan, um, well, we have, you know, this works real well down in the jungles, okay? They got water vines down there all over the place. But here in Michigan, we have some grapevine that might work. But, uh, you know, do you guys know where the closest grapevine is from here? You know, so, so the, you know, here in Michigan, that doesn't help so much. But one of the neat things about Michigan, there was a guy that, that decided he was going to figure this out. And so he sat down and uh, he took a map that showed all the water sources here in Michigan from the little creeks to the ponds and ran up to the rivers and lakes and everything. And he tried to map out the longest distance he could find between two water sources. And here in Michigan, the longest distance that he could find was eight miles. Okay, so not too bad here in Michigan before we can find a water source of some kind, okay? So, <clears throat> again, it has to be clear. It cannot burn the hand. It cannot burn your lips or, or tongue. And if it passes those, you can use it. Now, what you want to do, if you're in a situation where they're there, you know, you're going to cut the one off. Have you ever, as a kid, or maybe even when you're older, had had a, a straw and it was down in your drink and you plugged the top and you pulled it up out of there? That straw is full of your drink, isn't it? And then when you let go of the top, it all comes pouring out of there, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah I see a bunch of us have done that. I'm going to have to raise my hand, you know. All right, I'll raise two hands. <laughs> These vines are the same way. You're going to cut it off, but it's still got the top plugged. Okay, so you're going to get it aimed, and then you're going to go ahead and cut off the top and look out because it's just like you did that. And if you don't have it aimed right, you're going to have a wet face. Right? So <clears throat> keep that in mind, you know. That's, but they're good. You know, you can use them. <clears throat> Water from dew. Dew, again, is something that has evaporated from a source. If there was bad stuff in the source, it doesn't matter. That's all left behind. And it goes into the air, and then it recondenses on stuff. Okay, there was a group, like your tent. <laughs> you guys have had a whole bunch of that type of stuff, haven't you? Have you saved any this week? Didn't need it because you got a faucet right out there, right? Yeah. Now, this, uh, <clears throat> this is the military one here where they, they end up tying rags around their feet. Have you ever walked out in the dew and got your, your shoes all soaking wet and you, pants and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, that's good stuff. You know, here another guy's soaking it up with a rag off a surface. You do have to want to consider what the surface is. You probably would not want to be soaking this up off of poison ivy leaves, poison oak, poison shumac, something like that, right? Keep that in mind. You aren't going to want to be soaking it up off that. But uh, <clears throat> I'm, I always get excited because there's all kinds of clubs out there that are survival clubs. And this one club had about 30 people in it, and they had a, a morning that had a really good dew. And they took a 20-gallon drum. Okay, now you want to go out before the sun comes up and get going on this because sun comes up and it's just going to re-evaporate all that. But they got started early in the morning, those 30 people in an hour and a half they filled that 22-gallon, yeah, 22-gallon drum. You know, that's almost a liter piece, okay? So, no, it'd be a little over, wouldn't it? Okay, so, you know, that's pretty awesome amount. It's doable. And uh, actually, the Indians would cross the desert, but you can read about it. They would lick the rocks and get their moisture in the morning and take off, okay? So, you know... This is a source that is very good. 
and uh, you can trust it right off the bat. <clears throat> okay, a wick and a bottle. Here we have a, here we have a, a cliff, and it, you can see that going down the cliff, there's moisture drooling down those rocks. Okay, you see all that moisture there? Okay, well, we have a way that we can uh, capture that. It's called a wick and a bottle. And uh, see if I can get that out of there. Here's a string. And I just got a little stick, and that stick needs to be wide enough so that it can't come back through that hole. And you drop that down in and wedge it. And then you make sure the string is long enough that you can get it wrapped around a anchor point on that rock. And uh, let's show some pictures here. Okay, there's a string and it's anchored. Can you see the string there? Okay, and it's anchored and it's in that wetness. And you see how wet the string is? Okay, it's wicking up that water and it's bringing it down the string. And oh, we got one of these made now, don't we? Let's look inside. See the string there tied inside. And it is dripping water in there. Look, that's a quarter full already. Okay, so that's the idea. That's a wick in a bottle. And, uh, and actually on the DVD, these clips are taken off the actual video of me doing one of these out there. That's kind of the nice thing about the videos is, is I'm not talking about it and showing you pictures. I'm actually doing it okay, there on the video so you can actually see it happen. Right? So there's a wick in a bottle, and that works pretty good on, on a surface that's got moisture there, and you want to try and get a hold of it. And you can do that uh, on Friday. We'll teach you how to make cordage if you don't have any. That string that I had came from my hoodie. Okay, pulled out of the hoodie. I needed it right at that point. So, but that works. Okay, so keep that in mind. It's a good little trick. Okay, we have uh, different areas pointed out here where <clears throat> if you have a, a creek or a river and uh, it dries up, it doesn't mean that there still isn't water there. Now, I drive for Country Life. Anybody familiar with Country Life Natural Foods? Oh, look at you. <laughs> yeah, all right. I drive for them, and I go Missouri and Arkansas a lot. And uh, down there, it happens a lot. Up here, we don't have too many very often that will be full and then dry up. But sometimes they do in Michigan. And what will happen is, is that you know, you go down there and you'll see these things are just flowing with water. They've had quite a bit of rain down there, so they're still flowing. But then all of a sudden when it starts drying up, so do they. And pretty soon it's just a little trickle. And then after a bit, all there are is some puddles. Okay, and then after a bit, those puddles are gone. It doesn't mean there isn't water there. Okay, these spots here show you some areas Wherever, wherever it has to take a turn, that's a good spot for one of those puddles. If it's got to go over a log, it's going to dig out. That's going to be another spot for a puddle. And even though the puddle dries up, you want to go dig in there. Okay? And if you start digging, a lot of people are surprised and all of a sudden, hey, I'm seeing moisture. Keep digging. Okay? You know, you'll get six inches down and the sand starts getting wet. You get 18 inches down, you got yourself a gypsy well, and you got good water right there. Okay, so a lot of these spots here you want to keep keep in mind. You know, uh, back here a bit, we we showed see that little tuft of green sitting there. Okay, that is getting water all summer long, and if you spot something like that, oh, there is water there. If I can get up there get back in there maybe I can soak some up okay keep that in mind there look at that okay oh, there has to be quite a bit of water in there for, to support a tree maybe you can get some if you can get up there just be careful so you don't get hurt mechanical injuries can really dampen your abilities okay so so anyways places like this are very useful <clears throat> water from snow and ice Okay, um, 
Okay, we already, let's talk about snow first. Snow is about 10% water and 90% and air. And when it started out, it evaporated from a source. And we've already learned that when it evaporates from a source, that it leaves all the bad stuff behind. And then it collects and comes down as snow. Okay, <clears throat> you can use snow right off the bat. You can trust it. All right, you can trust snow. You do not want to melt that with your own body heat. Okay, um, when we talk about survival, we talk about your energy is your number one resource that you have to pay the most attention to. Okay, all the other resources you gain are either going to subtract from or add to it. And if you allow your energy to go to the basement, you lost your survival situation. Here in the end times, there isn't going to be any help from a other, uh, unless there be other God's people, okay? So you want to pay attention to your energy. If you <clears throat> try and go ahead and melt this with your own body heat, then your body has to replace that heat. It's going to use energy to do it, okay? So you're going to want to set up something near your fire to go ahead and melt that, okay? Now, <clears throat> if... Now, we're told, Jesus told us to pray that it doesn't happen in the winter. Okay, but he didn't say that it wouldn't happen in the winter, did he? He said, just pray that it doesn't happen in the winter. But if it did happen in the winter and you got your clothes on, if you've got layers, a lot of times the outer layer of garment isn't going to uh, be harmful if you use that layer to go ahead and melt some snow. If you stick some snow in a can baggy or whatever in there, and you do not feel the cold on you, then you can go ahead and use that to go ahead and melt that. Otherwise, don't do it. If you can feel the cold on your skin, then, you know, don't do that. Use a different way of doing it, okay? So here's a way where you can set up a little deal and near your fire and go ahead. <clears throat> Scott, in his video, I talked about snow gobs. Make a snowball, you know, put it on a stick and hang that near your fire and after a bit it'll start dripping and you catch that. Okay, so snow gobs work as well. This is ice. What about ice? Well, ice is kind of the opposite of snow in that it's about 90% water and only about 10% air. But where's the ice coming from? Is it a source that we can trust or a source that we can't trust? Now this one is actually coming out between the shale. And so Mother Nature had a chance to go ahead and clean this up and before it made ice. So what I would do is I'd make my way over there, I'd break a big chunk of this off, and I would wrap some cordage around it, and I'd take it with me. And then when I needed some, I'd go ahead and break a piece off, and I'd melt it. Okay. Now, <clears throat> if you're in the pond at the bottom of this, then I wouldn't trust that water right off the bat. You'd have to do something to purify it. We're going to talk about that too. Okay, but the ones coming out of that cliff, they, especially right up top there, I, could, I would trust those. And believe me, I am fussy when it comes to water. I am more fussy than all the other guys out there teaching this type of stuff. Okay? So, but I would trust the ice. There's another look there. <clears throat> okay, we're going to talk about some ways where you can purify water. And one of the best ways there is, okay, we already talked about a gypsy well. That works really well, sip wells. Another good way is to boil it. Okay, boiling water will kill all four groups. And so that's a good way to do it. Now, I'm out there in the wilderness, and <clears throat> I was out working in the field, and the Holy Spirit said, it's time to go. And I didn't go back to my house to get a pan. I used to ask this question. You know, we talk about people just getting started you know, in the wilderness survival, and, and we call them green. There was a time when I was green. Okay, and when I was green, I started asking, because they were saying, well, you got to boil your water. Well, if I don't have a pan, how do I boil water? Okay, is that a good question? Yeah, you know, if, if we're on our house, we're not even going to go and get our coat. There's no way we're going to go and get a pan carry a pan with us 
I am going to bet that when God's people go, that none of them are going to have a pan. So how in the world are we going to use this to boil water? Well, what we're going to do is, first off, is we're, we're going to use some hot rocks. Okay, now when I, when I find my rocks, I, because we're going to throw these in our fire, okay, and we're going to make them hot. And uh, I have actually boiled water with these two stones. This one I don't think I have, but I know scorch marks are on these. <clears throat> we're going to throw these in the fire. Now, I like to get a nice smooth stone when I find my stones because then when you toss it in your fire, it, it gathers less ash, okay? Now, the ash isn't going to hurt you if it does gather ash. When you pull them out, you can blow on them when they're smooth, and all the ash goes bye-bye. Where's a... I'm going to ask you guys, where do you think is the best source to find a nice smooth stone? <laughs> right in a river. You know what? You guys are no different than all the other classes I've ever taught. And you're right. That is one of the best spots to find a nice, smooth stone. And I told you before I was going to give you some warnings, right? I'm going to give you a warning. What am I going to give you? This one's, this one's bigger than the other warning I gave you. Okay? You cannot get your rocks from anywhere where it was wet where it's sitting and wet, okay? You cannot do that. Why? What happens? Well, rocks are really dense. That's why they're heavy. <clears throat> but they still have some teeny tiny little holes in them all the way through. And if they sit in that moisture for a, quite a period of time, that moisture will work its way on into the middle of that stone and make it wet inside. Now, you're going to take these, you're going to throw them in your fire, and you're going to try and find the hottest part of your fire you can find. Actually, if, you, if you're lucky enough, if you're doing this, you can actually get these to glow red when you yank them out of there. Okay, that's got a lot of energy in it. If you do that, <clears throat> all of that moisture inside is going to turn to steam, and it cannot get out fast enough. And believe me, it is going to get out but it'll turn these rocks into a grenade. And if you're standing over your fire when it goes off, Scott, when he was green, he was going to make an Indian sweat lodge. Okay? And uh, <clears throat> he had gone down to his pond because they had some really nice smooth rocks. And that's what he was going to use to make his steam in his sweat lodge. And so he'd come over and thrown those into his fire. And he was overworking on the lodge while they were heating up. And they went off. He says it sounds like a shotgun when it goes off. And he still today has pieces embedded in the trees around his fire pit there. Okay. How many of you guys ever watched the guys on TV? Dave and Cody. Anybody watch those guys on Discovery? <clears throat> Cody has a scar. Uh, yeah, Dave has a scar. No, Cody does has a scar on his cheek. That came from a rock that blew up in his fire. Okay, so <clears throat> these things will be lethal. They're a grenade. And so that warning is you cannot get them from a place that was wet and it was been sitting in the wet, okay? So what you're going to do is you're going to throw these in your fire and uh, you're going to turn those all red hot, Okay. I don't know if you can see them down in there. Um, we try and put them right in that hottest area. There's a couple there, but there's some more down in here that are harder to see. And uh, we were doing this on a hands-on. And the place we were at, we did go ahead and use a pan. Okay? But if you don't have a pan, we were going to cover that, weren't we? That, you guys still got that question, don't you? And you were about ready to attack me. Way back there. <laughs> you mean without your hands sizzling when you pull that out? Yeah. Basically what you can do is you're going to find a tree that has a limb coming out, okay, and continues on. 
and you're going to cut that right below that limb. Okay, so you can envision the other part and this limb come. Then you're going to cut that off as well so that you're going to make a hook out of it. Then you're going to find a Y stick. Okay, and you're going to jam the rock between the Y stick. You're going to take the hook and hold it in there, and you'd be surprised what kind of control you can have over a hot rock. Okay, now it's good if you get green ones to do this because if you use the others, then that fire's pretty hot and you'll end up with with flame coming out with you. Okay, so that's the way you're going to do that, okay? We do some of that hands-on. Okay, we play with this type of stuff. And that's a good question. How are you going to do that? Because you don't have blisters. Okay, <clears throat> so, so anyways, how are we going to, okay, what are we going to use for a pan, right? So, <clears throat> you can take a piece of wood and you can burn it out. Now this one was not, we're going to have show and tell back on the table right after we're done. Okay, in a half an hour we're going to be show and tell out there. You can burn this and then uh, you can use it for a bowl. Now this type of wood was not meant for doing water. This type was meant for processing seeds and nuts and stuff. <clears throat> so I wouldn't use this kind of wood. If you use a, a wood that makes a nice coal in your fire, then that wood tends to split when it dries out. When you look at this, it'll have splits right on through, and all your water would seep right on out. If you find a wood that just makes a whole bunch of ashes, that works a lot better, and it doesn't split as bad as uh, what this will. So you could do this. The Indians, when they wanted to boil water, they would make a birch bark pot. Okay, we'll have these on display back there so you can see them. This was done the same way that they made their canoes. We'll have that back there so you guys can take a look at it. And then we use the pine pitch to seal it all up. We use this, the evergreen tree roots to sew it up. And we use the white birch to make the whole container. Okay, um, I have this all videoed, but I don't have it to you yet. <laughs> so that we could put it up. So, but anyways, <clears throat> you can make them different sizes. Actually, on the DVD, I boil water in this one. Okay, so we'll have these on display back there. Does it make any difference whether the outside is warm or the dark? Yes, it does. Yeah, the weight on the outside doesn't work as well. And uh, that's because the, the pitch sticks better on the inner side than it does on that side. Okay, and so the white side's on the inside and the brown is on the outside. You go look at all those canoes, an authentic canoe, and you'll see that's the way they did that too. Okay, so we'll talk about, we'll have those on display out there and then you can ask more questions on that. So, <clears throat> so that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna get them hot, you're gonna throw them in your fire, or excuse me, throw them in your pan of water. And uh, the guy that had this going, you know, you're going to throw a couple in there. You're going to find several rocks, okay, six or seven, and you're going to rotate them. Okay, and <clears throat> we threw some in. We put two in the pan, and it takes a little while, and they'll sizzle when you drop them in. And then pretty soon you'll just get the little bubbles coming up. And when those slow down and run out of energy, you're going to pull those back out, and you're going to throw them back in your fire. Let's see. <laughs> I wait for the question. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, yes, you can do that because they haven't sat in the water for a long time. And they are so hot that they aren't going to let that water get in. It's going to steam. Okay, so you're going to rotate them. And uh, then you're going to take a couple more out and dump them in. Well, we had boiling water, and we still had rocks left. And so he thought, well, let's just put them in. And you'll notice that he had these things boiling so hard that... It was blowing right out of the pan all over the, all over the rocks that it was sitting on. So, very good technique. Rock boiling, the Indians used to cook. They used to purify water using this technique before the fur traders came with the copper pots. This is the way they did it. Okay, so <clears throat> here's a little filter you can make. Once you get done with the filter, uh, you still need to boil it because there's not enough here. We got up top, we got grass. And usually in the hands-on, we'll 
make some of these types of things. Okay, you got grass, you got charcoal. Grass will catch a whole bunch of the chunks of stuff. Charcoal will help to filter out bad boys. Okay, charcoal, you guys are familiar with that. You're just going to douse some of the coals in your fire, and that's going to go in there. And that works almost as well as the activated stuff. And then you got sand in the bottom. Now, the one thing you're going to have to do with these is you're going to have to be patient. I see a lot of people that learn this little technique and they'll put it together <clears throat> and they'll dump their water in in a quick hurry and it'll go through the grass and it'll go through the charcoal and it'll hit the sand and if it's any speed at all it'll run right to the edge of the sand and then go down whatever your holder is and come out and it didn't go through the sand. Okay, so you got to be, you got to set up a drip and if it's dripping it'll go ahead and go through the sand instead of going over the sand. Okay, so we've done these, and we had a gal that really got into this, and, and she's actually the one that taught us that we had to be patient. Okay, so keep that in mind. Water from the desert. Now, <clears throat> everybody's seen the movies, right? And when you're in the desert, where are you going to get your water? Cactus. That's what they tell you in the movie, isn't it? This is it, isn't it? Isn't that what they show you? Yeah, I happen to know Tony. Okay, Tony is actually one of Scott's best friends, and Tony lives in Arizona, and he is probably one of the best desert survivalists in the nation. <clears throat> and uh, he has a couple books that he wrote, and uh, in his books he talks about these things. Okay, <clears throat> these right here, when you get the water out, that water is going to be at least as green as this lady's coat right here. Okay, see how green that coat is? When you get it out, it's that green. Or this, these guys' shirts over here, okay? And what happens is, is that's all alkaloids. And those alkaloids are so strong that most people, almost everybody, cannot tolerate it. And they'll start vomiting. Okay, now if you tried to get rehydrated, from this, and you started vomiting. You're in a worse situation, aren't you? Than when you started, you should have been, you know, better off than not. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sneak a little hint. Whatever you see in the movies, it's not always true. Okay, not always true. And this is the case. Now, there are two cacti that you can use. Okay, this is a, a barrel cactus or fish hook is another name for it. And it gets its name because it looks like a barrel, doesn't it? Okay, another thing, if you look at the, the spines, those stickers, some of them will turn into a hook shape. Okay, so uh, fish hook or, or barrel cactus. Now, <clears throat> if you're out in the desert, I talk about survival situations and, and also in the end times. Um, Mother Nature's trying to take care of you, and so I always talk about trying to help her out as well. See this turtle there? That's a pretty good-sized turtle, isn't it? And that cacti that's sitting there, that, that took about 60 years for that cactus to grow. And when you go to use it, you're going to end up killing it. Okay, here's how you're going to do it. You're going to cut the top off. Inside, there's spongy growth, similar to like watermelon it's not as watery as watermelon but it's kind of like that and you're going to pull out you're going to suck the water out of it okay when you do that you're going to kill this thing so if you really really need it and you can't find another source this does work okay here's another one the prickly pear cactus and we have these here in michigan and uh, these also are edible and uh, you just want to watch out because these things have armor Anybody ever played with one? They do have armor, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> they got the stickers. Now, some of those stickers you can see, but <clears throat> I want to tell you that all these little spots right there, they got little stickers. Okay, and if those stickers stick in your hand, it's like three or four days before you can get rid of them. And uh, they're very annoying. Okay, so keep that in mind. But here you would. Usually you take your knife or if you couldn't, you'd scrape it. 
you know, and then use the pad on the inside. And a lot of times you can just eat these because they're good food as well. If you're out in the desert, sometimes you'll find these cisterns, okay? And, uh, and the ecosystems in these are very, very delicate. And so, <clears throat> you know, go ahead and take some of the water and purify it. I saw a bear grill one time, find one of these, and it was about the size of this room. And he threw his backpack off and he dove in. And I cringed because the stuff on his skin could upset that ecosystem and the whole thing could die, you know. So keep that in mind, okay? <clears throat> Things not to do, water no nose, right? Now you're going to find a thing called a solar still that is taught and it's taught for the desert. Okay, you could use them here, but you got so many other types of things you can do here. And uh, one of the things you have to have is a long chunk of hose. You have to have a great big piece of plastic. Now you notice this is about three foot across the top, so your plastic has to be bigger than that. And uh, then you gotta have a container that you can put down the bottom. And you have to dig this hole. Okay, now one of the first things I ask is if you're in a survival or if you were out in your field and God says time to go or if you're on your rooftop and he says go and you're not even going to get your coat, are you going to grab some plastic and a tube and are you going to have that stuff? Uh, again, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that I'll bet you God's people are not going to have that equipment. Okay, But anyways, if you did, let's say you come across it, if you did, in the desert, Tony talks about these things. And he says, uh, again, you get done digging and building, you are going to end up sweating more than what you're going to get out of them. Okay, you're going to maybe get a cup a day, maybe, out of these things. And, uh, yeah, you're going to sweat more than what you're going to get out of them. So, <clears throat> you know, you have to look at it and say, okay, how much is it going to take for me to do and what's going to be the payoff from it? And because the payoff is not great enough, then this becomes one of the water no-nos. Another water no-no. And this is taught in a lot of the survival schools clear across the nation. Drinking your own urine. I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of people are just cringing. And I'm going to help you cringe. Okay? It is impossible for you to hydrate yourself with your own urine. Isn't that good? <laughs> it's impossible. And they teach these things. Unfortunately, especially in the, in the wilderness survival schools, somebody will spit something out and everybody will echo it. Okay, that's unfortunate. They don't go check things out. <clears throat> you have to get right down to the cell and start understanding why this happens. Your urine is only slightly less salty than the sea is. Now, how many here knows you can't drink salt water from the sea or ocean? Yeah, okay. Same reason you can't drink your own urine. Okay, it's, because what happens is each cell has its membrane, okay, and things can go in and things can come out. Okay, it's called cause osmosis, right? osmotic potentials. If it's heavy on one side and light on the other, it wants to go through. Water can go through that really easy. Salt takes a bit to get through. So what happens when you drink your own urine is you end up loading your bloodstream with a bunch of salt. Okay, now your cell inside sees all that salt outside it can't, by osmosis, get it through in a hurry. And so what the, there have been several studies done. What the cell will do is it will kick the moisture that it already has out into the bloodstream in order to dilute the salt that's out there. Now what have you done? Have you helped yourself? You just made it worse off, haven't you? Okay, so <clears throat> unfortunately these guys, you know, they'll tell you, well, first time through if it's not too yellow yet. You can go ahead. When it starts getting really dark, then you better not. No, you can't even do it first time. Okay? Yes. Um, well, a lot of times when you go swimming 
and you come out, the salt stays on the surface, and then you gotta go shower it off. So I think probably it'd be the same type of thing. And so anyways, <clears throat> we uh, need to move on here, but there are people that have been trapped. You know, there was a couple of earthquakes here a couple of years ago. A little boy spent many days, and uh, he, uh, you know, told the, the people that, that he survived by drinking his own urine. And those that know better say you survived in spite of drinking your own urine. Okay, so that's a water no-no, and we want to talk about that. Okay, <clears throat> you guys need to start training your eyes. Okay, now what do I mean by this? Well, let's look here. Here we got a field. Okay, we have some trees. What we want to do is we want to get closer to that tree line. And here we're a little bit closer. And then we're going to get right on the tree line. And look what we found. Okay, there's a creek running there, right? Okay, I want you guys to now just start watching and spotting things, okay? You want to spot things. When you look at this, we got a desert, <clears throat> and we see some trees. And if we look through the trees, what do we see? Water. Something's making those trees grow. has to be some water there somewhere. And then this one is pretty easy to spot it. <clears throat> Let's look at another one. It's not quite as easy. Okay, when we look at that picture, what do we see? Snow. Okay, snow is a good thing, isn't it? That's water. All right, but what I want you to do, well, what is that snow doing? It's melting, isn't it? Okay, and it's melting now. Let's see, how well can we see here? Yeah, we can see. See, here's where the snow is, and it's melting. And here we got a valley coming on down. And when we get down to the bottom of the valley, can you see those big trees right there? If I topped a hill and I was out of water, I would head for those trees. Okay, because I can, there's, there's maybe even a stream there. Probably. Okay, but if not, I could probably dig a gypsy well there. There's enough water to get those trees growing. And if I couldn't, then I'd, spend the energy and go up to where the snow is okay so train your eyes to spot water sources and do it now because when god says it's time to go your eye will be trained and you'll know what to do and you'll be the hero no god will be the hero because <laughs> he'll train your eye oh look at over there oh yeah i see that you know okay so so keep that in mind and uh, at this point, <clears throat> we're going to throw that one up there to go practice. Do we have any questions? Okay, uh, I get that question a lot when I'm talking about <clears throat> wilderness survival. Well, what, what about if the, if the ground around it is contaminated, right? That's kind of what you have. Oh, well, <clears throat> I, would, I would go ahead... You know, in that case, I'd say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Is this one contaminated with radioactivity or not? You know, but if not, if it was, you could send it through some sand and that will filter that out too, okay? But uh, <clears throat> one of the things that people ask a lot, well, what about if the ground itself is contaminated and then your water's coming through and picking up? Well, <clears throat> in a survival situation, it takes a lot of people in order to overcome Mother Nature's ability to clean herself and to get a, a section of dirt that is now full of stuff that Mother Nature can't take care of. So you got to be in a heavily populated area in order for that to happen. And if you're in a heavily populated area, then you're out of your survival situation. Because <laughs> somebody's there, you just go knock on their door and say, can you help me? You know. In the end times, when I read, she talks about bands and they're moving to the deep forest. Okay, so I think when we get to the deep forest, we'll be in areas that we're probably not going to have contaminated land. But <clears throat> if it is, the Lord can tell us that, tell us what to do, right? So, so keep that in mind too. So any other questions? Okay, let's go here and then we'll go way back. Where's the deep forest? 
You know, <clears throat> I've had this discussion with several people already. <clears throat> you know, I can't tell you, uh, thus saith the Lord on this, but I get this feeling that here's what's going to happen. You know, some people have this idea, well, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to travel up to the UP. Well, let me ask this question. If it's gotten to the point to where the nation has set it up, the world has set it up so that <clears throat> if you don't have the right mark, you can't buy or sell. If it's gotten that bad, and things are coming on the earth that men cannot handle, and the Pope's coming across and saying, well, it's all these Sabbath keepers' fault. When it gets that bad, don't you think they're going to have checkpoints up as well? I mean, it's not said so in Scripture or anything, but yeah, you know. So I don't, and then how far are you going to get before you have to buy some gas, you know? No, here's what I kind of envision, and I, I, I'm telling you this again, I don't have a thus saith the Lord, but I'm feeling that it'll be more like, you know, <clears throat> this lady here, there's a swale over here, and the Holy Spirit says, that's where I want you to go, and I'm going to hide you over there. James, there's one right over there, and that's where I want you to go, and that's where I'm going to hide you is over there. Okay, now she does talk about bands moving at times. Okay, she talks about some other of the bad guys trying to jump the gun on the Sunday law, okay, on the death decree, and she talks about their weapons falling apart in their hands. She talks about other groups where these little bands walk right past them and they never even see them. Okay, she also talks about other bands where the bad guys are trying to come and all of a sudden they see that, oh, that band is protected by army and actually they're angels, okay? So <clears throat> this type of thing, go and read these statements, you'll find them, they're out there. And so this kind of makes me think that, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to guide his people into where he wants them to go. And it may not be a great big deep force, it may be across the road from your house. Okay, that may be where it's going to be. You know, I don't have a thus saith the Lord on that. But God's going to have quite a few people. And he's going to have to have spots to hide them. And I don't envision people traveling any distance at all. Okay, I don't envision them in their vehicles at all. Okay, I don't, you know, as I read, I'm, I'm not getting that feeling from the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that helps you out. Okay. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you where that forest is for you. Okay? We had one way back there. Okay. I didn't talk about that, did I? Well, you know, backpackers can get this chart. And the chart says that if you're on top of Mount Everest, that you need to boil for 10 minutes. Okay? If you're down at sea level, then you boil for three minutes. And then depending on where you're at, you can get these charts and you can figure out, well, I'm at this level from sea level, and so let's see my chart. Does anybody know what level we are right here? <laughs> Some people do, 900 something. Okay, you may not know. I, I got a rule of thumb. Right? No matter where you're at, if you don't know, I got a rule of thumb. And what do you think my rule of thumb is? <laughs> hey, you guys got the same rule that I got. <laughs> uh huh. 185 degrees. Yeah, some of them will last a little while, though. So, well, if you've got a water source that you're trying to purify, then you can, you know. So, so anyways, of course, if you've got something this big, you know, you'll end up with some when you get done. But anyways, <clears throat> so that's how long. So, anyways, um, what I'm going to do is take show and tell. And uh, I also have the DVDs we've been talking about. I'm going to shut this down. And we'll go out to that table because we've got another class coming in here in just a couple minutes. But what I want to do is have a word of prayer first. Okay? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for these techniques. And Lord, you know what it is that we'll run into when we're out there. So instill in our minds whatever technique it is here that we're going to need. And uh, Lord, if, if there are others that we can help when we're out there.
and still those things in that we're going to run into. So help us take this home. And <clears throat> Lord, encourage everyone to practice these things. Because if you practice them, then they really become yours. And they're really good. And so <clears throat> help them to have time and also give them encouragement to do just that. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.